Good morning. How are we doing today, Branches? It's a good day. Good day to be here. Man, um, I, I'm in a weird spot right now. So I, I used to love, I got, I got on my first airplane ride when I was like 15, and I'm like, this is incredible. Like, airplanes are the best. I just did a 17 and a half hour uh, straight flight yesterday. I don't know if it was yesterday. And I don't like airplanes anymore. I want nothing to do. I never want to go on one again. Um, but, but in all seriousness, I, I just got back from uh, southeast Ethiopia. I was just there for a week. I was gone for a week, so I was really only there for just about four days. And uh, God's doing so much over there. I'll be able to share some more in the future about that. Uh, but in light of that, I scheduled me not to preach uh, last week or this week. So we get to introduce and bring someone up here today uh, that's touched our lives dramatically. Um, for those of you who don't know, a couple of years ago, my wife and I, we quit our jobs. We uh, went to do mission work. We ended up in, in Hawaii, you know, suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. And... Uh, <laughs> And then in Norway for the rest of the, the mission work that we did. Uh, but while we're in Hawaii, it was kind of a different time. It was like we cut off everything from our life, and we're just like, God, what do you want for us? And we spent some time in this space. And uh, I had grown up around church, you know, and, and all that stuff, being a Christian, you know, most of my life. Uh, and I kind of I had heard about God doing, like, crazy you know, big things. And I'd heard about it and I read about it and stuff like that. And then this guy out the last week we were there, uh, Dan Bauman, uh, he spoke and he talked about his, he just shared his testimony, he shared a story and what God had done in his life. And I heard it. And I'm like, God can't do that. Like what? Just blew my mind. Like, what? Are you kidding me? And I heard this story and it stirred me so much um, that it really it had such an impact on my, my own life, my wife's life as well. And it's our honor and privilege that we get to have him here today with us. Um, and, and I know Brianna has something to share too about the impact. All right, here's the mic. <laughs> we don't want to take all the time from him. Um, well, when we were at YWAM, uh, I was going through a season of incredible fear and anxiety as a mother. And uh, during that last week, he shared his testimony uh, but he also got to share a little bit of the backstory of how he was raised and the impact that his parents had on his life and his, um, his sister's lives. And what an honor it is that we have him in the room today, but we also have his mother here today with us. And I'm just going to put in a little plug uh, because she has written a book um, titled Releasing Your Children to the Lord. And I read it during that time um, when I felt... Uh, really like I was holding on too tightly and feeling like it was all on me um, to raise our kids in a, in a world, in a place that's scary, and um, how to raise them to love Jesus. And it was, it's really a book, not so much about uh, the practical things, but her story of surrender and releasing her kids to the Lord. Um, and it spoke to me deeply. We are just so honored to, to have them both in the room today. And uh, we're going to invite Dan up now and pray for him and let him... Uh, are you taking it away? You can take it away. <laughs> Please. Uh, with that, his mom uh, wrote a book. Like Brianna said, he's written a couple books. So if you want to hear more of his story, those are going to be available to be purchased in the uh, comments on your way out. They're also there to sign those as well. Um, so let's, let's pray over Dan. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness and for the story that you have wrote throughout history of your redemptive plan for us. And God, we just pray that you would fill Dan up this morning with your Holy Spirit to speak, God, his story of what you've done. Lord, that he would testify of your goodness all the days of his life. Lord, and we get to be witnesses of that today and then go out and do the same. We just pray that you would um, 
Open our ears to hear, Lord. God, if there's any blocks in this room right now that are going to prevent us from hearing your heart through Dan, Lord, I just pray that those would fall in Jesus' name. Or that we would hear what you want to say to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It is good to be, I hope I say it right, Scapuza? How do you say it? <laughs> I said it right first there is. Uh, I guess I didn't say it right this time. <laughs> but it is great to be here. I have come to the Pacific Northwest so much. And uh, my sister lives in Gig Harbor in Washington. And uh, just great to be here. I'm staying for the weekend, last weekend in Vancouver. And we found out it's 10 miles from here, and it takes about 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, so it's awesome. But it's... <clears throat> So good to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me, even though you didn't invite me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just so glad just to make new friends and be with you. You know, I grew up and I heard that God was good. And I got older and I realized, uh, I don't know if that's the best way to say it. But a better way is that God is really good. <laughs> and then I got older and I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's the best way. I think a better way is that God is really, really good. <laughs> like Jesus is really, really, like really, 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 really good. <laughs> Tell that to your neighbor. <laughs> Tell that to your neighbor. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that the Christian life is that we just really need to add another really? <laughs> you know, we make it all complicated, but the more we discover how beautiful Jesus is, the more we want him. The more we want him, the more we discover how beautiful he really is. And then we want him more. And this is just this beautiful journey of my life. Blessed to be here today with my mom. My journey all started when I was 16. I grew up in the church in Los Angeles, but my Christianity was here, not in here. How do you get it from here to here? Being a Christian was being a good person and doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. How do you go from that to actual friendship with God? I didn't know. So until one day a guy came to my church and what he said would change my life. But what I didn't know is that it would continue to change my life. And he said these simple words, whatever you do for God should come from intimacy with God. I'm like, okay, but how do you get intimacy with God, like friendship? I didn't know. So I remember going the afternoon by a river and throwing these rocks in the river, just random moment of my random life. And I'm throwing these rocks in the river, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> I'm thinking, how do you get friendship with God? And a voice pops up into my mind with a question. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what was that? So I kept throwing rocks. How do you get intimacy with God? How do you get friendship with God when you're doing laundry? How do you get friendship with God when you're cleaning the dishes or going to the store or playing sports? Like, I don't know. And I'm thinking through this, and I hear it a second time. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what was that? Like, how does it go from hearing something up here to actually my world, where I live, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? 
And all of a sudden, I heard it a third time. Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I'm like, where is that voice coming from, you know? <laughs> like, I don't think it's the devil. He wants to throw rocks at us, you know, <laughs> not with us. I don't think it's me unless I'm going psycho. <laughs> but it can't be God. No, God's out there, and he's great, and he's amazing, and he really doesn't, you know, care about my random world of throwing rocks. It's <laughs> not important. So I kept throwing rocks, but I kept hearing it. So I finally stopped. I'm like, Jesus, yes, you can throw rocks with me, but why? And that's when I felt Jesus look down from heaven and said, this right to my heart, because you want to. I'm like, that's it? <laughs> He's like, that's it. And for the first time in my life, I discovered that Jesus likes Dan. Dan did not like Dan. Why would Jesus like Dan? On that day, I discovered he thinks I'm cool. <laughs> I thought I was a weirdo. <laughs> God likes weirdos. <laughs> oh, that's who Jesus is. And I discovered the unconditional love of God. Do you ever struggle with that? Okay, it's unconditional, but <laughs> I better do this. But I better not do that. No, it is unconditional. There is nothing we can do in our entire life that will make God love us more than he loves us right now. When I discovered that, it changed my life. I meet two kinds of Christians. Those that are living for the Father's approval and those that are living from the Father's approval. So many Christians, if I just do a little bit more, God will be happy with me. And then those of us who are discovering, no, we're in, we're in, and we can live our whole life from this reality. What I didn't know on that day when I discovered the love of God is that I would continue to discover it throughout my life. My journey has looked like this. Many days waking up, Jesus, good morning, what should I do? And Jesus is like, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later. But first, here's more of my love. <laughs> and life goes on. Many days waking up, okay, God, I, I know you love me, but what should I do? And Jesus is like, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. And life goes on. <clears throat> no, 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 God, okay, you love me, but what should I do, really? And God's like, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later. But first, here's more of my love. <laughs> like the love of God is an unending ocean. The Christian life is to wake up and let God love you again and again and again, and then we get to go to heaven. Oh, my gosh, I want to be a Christian. <laughs> that sounds awesome. When I'm 90, I want to be in an old people's home. I like those places. <laughs> you get to be with your friends every day. <laughs> You get to learn their name every day. <laughs> and when I'm 90, I think it's going to be like this. Jesus, good morning, what should I do? And I think he'll be like, Dan, good to see you. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more of my love. <laughs> love is the deepest motivator of the human heart. When you know you're loved, you want to love back. How do you love God back? You say, God, how do I love you back? And he begins to share with us his love for people and his heart for the world. 
And it's so exciting. It was never something I should do. It was something I couldn't help doing. It didn't have parameters of what exactly it looked like. It was this thing inside that was like, I can't shut up, you know? Why? Because the love of God was real. And I love that simplicity about it in my own journey. <clears throat> God began to put the Muslim world on my heart to maybe think of going over there. Long story short, I was 23 and I moved to Afghanistan. And I lived there for 10 years. And I fell in love with Muslims. <laughs> Why? Because they're created in the image of God. And God loves Muslims. And yeah, I began to have such a wonderful 10 years there, being with them, learning their culture, their language, and sharing the love of Jesus. I don't know if you know it, but Afghanistan is one of the most growing churches in the world today. Amidst all the Taliban stuff, I was literally in Afghanistan last month. And God is moving in Afghanistan. <laughs> and yeah, I could tell you so many stories. <clears throat> While I was there, though, me and my friend began to feel God's tug to visit neighboring nations. One of those specifically, Iran. Iran has the same sister language as the one I knew. And I have two passports. My dad is Swiss, so I'm a Swiss-American. My friend was South African. And in Iran, both Switzerland and South Africa have embassies. So we thought, well, maybe we can get visas. And we got visas for Iran. I'll never forget that journey to Iran. I've struggled with fear throughout my life. It's been such a journey. And you know what I've discovered most about fear? Is that there is never a fear that can keep us from obeying Jesus. And it's that simple. And I was that situation again, going to Iran, taking a foot onto that bus, and the fear going. Dit. And with that came all this analyzation, why I was maybe making a mistake, why I shouldn't go, why I could have trouble. And in the midst of that, as I thought of getting off the bus because of my fears, I had to wrestle with one simple truth. Wait a minute. When I was 16, I discovered that Jesus likes me. When I was 16, I discovered that Jesus was good, that he really cared for me. And I'd rather go to Iran with that reality than stepping back because of my own fears. And I went to Iran. I love Iran. I don't know, maybe you're hearing it on the news today. The fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Millions are coming to Jesus. The house church movement like it used to be in China is now happening all across Iran. We didn't know it. But yeah, we're there. The first day we're there, I'm eating a hamburger. <laughs> Life's good. <laughs> the next thing I know, I feel a tap on my shoulder. I turn around. It's an Iranian man. He says, excuse me, do you speak English? I said, yes, I do. He's like, where are you from? I said, I'm from America. Oh, I heard Americans know about Jesus. I said, some do, I do. He's like, can you tell me? I'm like, sure. We gathered 30 people and spent the night talking about Jesus. We were blown away at the hunger that was developing. Yes, the oppression and challenges from the regime, but among the masses, there was such a hunger. And we experienced their hospitality, enjoyed the two weeks. It was finally time to go, and that's when everything changed. We get to the border on a local bus, giving in our passports to get them stamped. They never gave them back. Everybody with us got their passports back, except for me and my friend. 
Then they took me and my friend. They said, come with us. Again, I speak the language. We kept asking why. They never said why. They took us to another building. And without any explanation, they separated us. And that's when they began to beat me. For about six hours, hitting me in the face, kicking me, spitting on me. At the end of those crazy hours, they draw us back together, me and my friend. They took away our glasses. They put us in prison clothes. They put us onto a bus and took us to another building. There they kept beating us. Without any explanation, they finally blindfolded us for a last time, walked us down these stairs, separated me and my friend, and put me into one prison cell and my friend into another one. And we were in prison in Iran. What is life like in prison in Iran? The first thing I want to tell you is about the goodness of God. That God is still good even when you can't feel it. Even when you don't see it. The first day I remember sitting in that cell going, God, how long will I be here? And I felt like God said, you're going to be here for nine weeks. I'm like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, you get it wrong sometimes, right? <clears throat> Maybe it's nine minutes, you know. I never knew one day to the next how long I would be there, but the day I was released was nine weeks to the minute. Exactly when God said, why? Why? Because it's about God. Our experience does not define God. God defines God. And he said nine weeks, and I was out in nine weeks. Ah, uh, my life in prison. I was in a little cell like this, alone the whole time, sleeping on the floor toilet and a sink, big steel door, and this was my life. What do you do in prison? <laughs> you get bored. <laughs> I would sit there day after day all alone. And one day I'm sitting there going, I got to find something to do. And I just thought to myself, what can I do? And I just thought, wait a minute, if I get a ball, I can make games out of a ball. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but they're not going to let me go to Walmart to get a ball. <laughs> you know, There's no Walmart. So... <laughs> And I'm sitting there, and then I had an idea. <laughs> my underwear. <laughs> so I took off my pants, and I took off my underwear, put the pants back on, and I tied the underwear into a ball. <laughs> and then I created a game called Underwear Bowling. <laughs> okay, and I created two teams in my mind, and each team had like 10 players. And they would roll the ball, and whoever got closest to the door without hitting the door, they would win. <laughs> and I would play for hours, you know. <laughs> and every player had a story, you know, like some were coming off arbitration, and they're complaining about their salaries. So dumb. They had good salaries, you know. And, and then some were, like, retiring, and they all had a story. <laughs> yeah, I had to be everyone because <laughs> I was alone. <laughs> And the guards would see me playing, and they would be like, uh-oh, <laughs> this guy's been here too long. <clears throat> Good times. I'm glad I can laugh, you know, underwear bowling. <laughs> I've never played since, you know. <laughs> I lost the wonder, you know. <laughs> but I'm glad I can look back and laugh. And, you know, when you have hard times in life, it's great to look back and laugh. And to be real with you, it was the worst time of my life. I slept one or two hours every night the first two weeks. I was a nervous wreck. God loves me, then why am I here? 
God's for me, then why am I sitting here? Always pointing it back at myself, like, what did I do wrong? Why am I here? What do I need to do? There was so much internal struggle. And with that came depression. You know, and the depression just seemed to grow. And I'll never forget as it was growing. I tried to have faith, but the faith just didn't seem to last. But the depression got bigger. And then it reached the worst day of my life. Two weeks in, I woke up one day. And I'll tell you about this day because of the end of the day. But when I woke up on this day, everything inside was done. I had heard I had two death sentences on my life. One for being a missionary, one for being a spy. And on that day that I woke up, inside I had a thought come through my head. Dan, check out. Get out of here. Why live here? And all of a sudden I had an idea. And I looked at the sink in the room. They'd given me a big towel. If I took my sock and I plugged the sink, I could fill it with water. If I filled it with water and tied the towel super tight on one side and put my head in the sink, then when I put the towel over my head, if I tied it super tight on this side, if I tied it tight enough, then when I cannot breathe because I'm gagging under the water, I couldn't untie it fast enough. And I thought to myself, this will work. And four times I tried. And every time I tried, I was too scared. I was too scared to tie the towel tight. And I'll never forget the fourth time. Again, I tried and again, I failed. It was too loose. So again, I could untie it and get my head out. And I'll never forget that time falling to the ground. If I was ever full of shame, I was full of shame on that moment. If I ever felt like a loser, I felt like a loser at that moment. And as I lied on the ground, something happened. (laughs) Ha ha, Jesus. The room starts to shake. I thought it was an earthquake. I lifted my head, and the room was a glorious white light, much different than the normal light. As I stared at the wall, I had a vision of Jesus, very similar to the chosen on, you might see on YouTube. But it was simply Jesus. But his face, his face was full of kindness. It was a big smile full of grace and love and acceptance. And I felt Jesus looked right down at me and said these simple words, Dan, I still like you. Dan, I still want you. And if you let me, I'll take care of you. And from that day until today, I have never had those thoughts again. Amen. That's who Jesus is. He did not just rescue me from prison. He rescued me from me. That's who Jesus is. My friend was released after five weeks. It was all political. He was from South Africa. They were a big buyer of Iranian oil, and he got out. And then I sat there. Yet while I was there, I did see the goodness of God. All glory to Jesus. One day they take me out of my cell. And they take me to a courthouse. I'm like, what's happening? They said, oh, it's your trial. I'm like, my trial? (laughs) And that's when it got more official that I had these two death sentences. I walk into this room, hundreds of people, video cameras, and I'm standing there in my prison clothes. And in walks the judge, and he says this. This is your trial, your last chance to speak. 
Tell us why. Why did you come to Iran? I would love to tell you I was not afraid. No, I was afraid. <laughs> and I'm shaking, but then something was bigger. Ha <laughs> ha, Jesus. And the scripture pops into my mind, Matthew 10, 19. Don't be afraid when you're called before the authorities. I'll give you the words to say. And I looked at the judge and I said, Sir, I came here to tell you about Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like, what did I say? <laughs> and when I said it, something woke up inside of me, and the truth of what I really believed came out a second time and a third time. And every time I said the name of Jesus, the fear started to crack, and I ended up preaching over half an hour. <laughs> ah! I'm like, Jesus loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and... I'm like, maybe you're wondering why you're here today. Well, Jesus loves you, and he loves you. I just got going. And halfway through my sermon, unplanned, I realized something else. I was free. I was free. Why? Because you can't kill a dead man. You can't kill a dead man. So what if they kill me? My home is heaven, and I'm going home to heaven, and no one can take that away. <laughs> and they didn't kill me, <laughs> in case you're wondering. And life went on. One day I'm sitting in my cell. Every night I would hear chit-chat from the guards late at night, and that night I heard them again. I speak the language. I heard one guard say to a friend, I'm assuming another guard, and he said this, why do these foreigners talk about Jesus? They know we kill Christians. Why do they do that? And this other guy goes, yeah, that's very interesting, huh? I wonder what drives them. I wonder what's going on inside that they'd be willing to even face death. And this other guy says, well, I know what Christians believe. They're like, how do you know? He's like, I don't know. There's a guy here a few years ago. He told me all about his walk with Jesus. They're like, well, I'm curious because these foreigners got a reason to live and they've got a reason to die. They have purpose. I don't have purpose. Can you tell me? The guy's like, sure. So he became the evangelist. <laughs> and I sat in my cell listening as this guy described the gospel to his buddies. This went on for a couple nights. And on that third night, I heard this man say, as you keep talking about this Jesus that they believe, man, it sounds so right. And they've got purpose, and I want purpose. And today I'm giving my life to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and the other two are like, us too, us too. And three men gave their lives to Jesus. <laughs> and life went on in prison. Something else that God did was a journey, not just all at once. The very first day I was beaten, I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say, Dan, <clears throat> I want to teach you to love your enemies. I'm like, not a good time. <laughs> not a good time. And God says it again. Dan, I wanted to teach you to love your enemies. And all this injustice is running through my head. Like, wait a minute. This is wrong on so many levels. And wonderful Jesus changed the subject. I love when he does that. Dan, ask me what I think of him. I'm like, God, what do you think of this guy? <laughs> and the love of God hit me. Like God knew his name. That God loved him. God knew the name of his wife and his kids. That God had always loved him. It's just one challenge, and that was that he didn't know it. 
I'm like, God, you really love me. He's like, Dan, more than you'll ever know. And I'm like, God changed my heart. All glory to Jesus, he changed my heart. In the coming weeks, he kept beating me, but God had changed my heart. So I was blessing him and saying nice things about him, praying for him. I'll never forget the last day I saw him. They took me into that room. Every time I saw him, I would shake. I had no idea it'd be the last day I'd see him. As I'm shaking, something happened. Ha <laughs> ha, Jesus. And I looked at him and I'm like, sir, if I'm going to see you every day the rest of my life, let's become friends. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's be friends. Why not? He's like, never. And something rose up within me. I said, no, sir, today things change. And we can start by exchanging names. He had never told me his name. That wasn't allowed. My name was 58 because that was the number of myself. I'm like, sir, let's be friends. And I stuck out my hand to shake his hand. And that's when he froze. Then he started to shake. Starts to look around. <laughs> Just me and him in there. Then he took his hand out of his pocket, and he shook my hand. When he shook my hand, he wouldn't let go. And then tears started to come down his face. And he looked at me, and he said, Dan. And he called me by my name. He said, my name is Razak, which is a common Iranian name, and I would love to be your friend. Ha <laughs> ha. There is no heart too hard for Jesus. Jesus can change the hardest heart. And he finally let go and he wiped the tears from his eyes. He's like, Dan, I'm so glad we're friends. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> He's like, Dan, I can't get you out. I said, I know that. He said, Dan, in the prison, I have some authority. Do you want anything? I'm like, yeah, bigger room <laughs> for my bowling. <laughs> He's like, you got bowling going on? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, let me see what I can do. And I've never seen that man again in my life. But I, that night, the night guards came to my room and said, sir, we have orders to move you to a bigger cell. And I knew that God had changed that man's life. And life went on. One day, they put me into another bus next to an African man. I'm like, oh, maybe he speaks English. I said, do you speak English? He's like, yes, I do. And I recognize the accent. I said, where are you from? He's like, Louisiana. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're American. He's like, yeah. I said, I'm American. We're like, what's up? What's up? I said, dude, how long have you been here? He's like, 15 months. I said, why? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah, I don't know. 15 months? He's like, yeah. And they heard us gabbing, and they separated us. And I've never seen that man again in my life. I do know he got out. He got out a few months after me. But I'll never forget that night. I mean, every day I'd have a moment of dreaming of getting out, you know? I don't care how, you know, Matt Damon or Brad Pitt with a rope the ceiling. That works, you know? Or, you know, or what about the angel at the door? <laughs> that works. And that night I got really honest. Like, Dan, he's American. He's been here 15 months. You could be here 15 months, Dan. Dan, you could be here like five years, like 10 years. This could be it, Dan. And I'll never forget that night sitting in my cell. 
I looked up to God. I said, God, I just want one thing, and that is to understand. I just want to understand how this could be the plan of God. I just want to understand why I would sit here the rest of my life. And I'll remember that night God said nothing to me. And I'll never forget, 2, 3 in the morning, finally my heart gave up. And I looked up to God. I said, God, I don't understand, but I don't need to understand. And I gave up control. I said, God, I don't need to understand. If I sit here the rest of my life, I trust you. If this is what I have, I trust you. My circumstances do not determine my trust in who you are. You determine that, and you're good, and I know you're good, and I trust you, and I don't need to know why I'd sit here forever. And Jesus won my heart. <laughs> I love when Jesus wins my heart. He often has a surprise around the corner. <laughs> Literally, for me, it was three hours later. They came to my cell. They said, gather your things. <laughs> Had to close the door and assemble the bowling ball and, you know, get more ready. I don't know where I'm going. They take me to a room and said, get dressed. I'm expecting more prison clothes. Instead, it's my clothes. I'm like, what? I put them on. <laughs> they didn't fit, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I lost 55 pounds. They take me to a courthouse, but this time not to a courtroom, to an office. In the office comes in a judge. It turns out he's the head judge of all the courts of Iran. And he simply says this. Today, because of our friendship with Switzerland, as we've been working with the Swiss Embassy, we release Dan Bauman, and he's a free man. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> Tears are rolling down my face. And I'm like hearing Jesus from heaven, surprise, <laughs> the best surprise ever. And God did not just rescue me from prison, he rescued me from me. That's who Jesus is, he's that good. The Swiss ambassador was in the room, and I got in his car, and I locked the doors. <laughs> he took me to the airport. I had a flight to Germany with a connecting flight to Switzerland. I'll never forget sitting at that airport just so nervous. I'm still in Iran. <laughs> you know, I get on the plane, like, God, tell the pilot to go. <laughs> tell the pilot to go. <laughs> we finally landed in Germany. Our flight had been delayed, so they gave us a free meal at a cafe. I found it. I was in transit. I got there, and I saw many men, and they looked Iranian. One had an empty chair at a table. I went like that, and they went like that. As I started eating, they looked at me, and they said, excuse me, do you speak English? I said, yes, I do. They said, oh, we're all Iranian, and we all speak English as well. And you look familiar. We all just came from Iran. Did you just come from Iran? I'm like, yes, I did. They're like, oh, did you have a good time? Ah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah, I said, first two weeks were good. They're like, really? What'd you do? Oh, I said, I went here and here and here. They're like, wonderful, so fun. How long were you there? I said, I was there 11 weeks. Oh, you just said the first two weeks were good. Oh, they were good. <laughs> Where were you the last nine weeks? <laughs> I'm like, that's a direct question. <laughs> and God's like, be honest. So the name of the prison is a household name in Iran, the most notorious political prison called Evin. I said I spent nine weeks in Evin, and their eyes got big. 
are you Daniel Bauman? I'm like, yeah, how do you know my name? They're like, oh, we get papers once a week from the government, and they said they caught an American spy named Daniel Bauman. But we don't agree. We don't think you're a spy. We don't agree with a lot of what our government does. And for the next 15 minutes, they ask me those loving questions. Did they beat you? Did they hurt you? What, what happened? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I got to go. I got to go. But thank you for sharing the love. And three men stood up and they looked at me and said this. Please forgive our government for what they did to you. That is not the heart of the Iranian people. <laughs> and I love Iranians. <laughs> and I flew to Switzerland. My parents came. My friend from South Africa came. And God gave me freedom again. Freedom to look at the sky. Freedom to go for a walk. Freedom to not play underwear bowling. <laughs> Better things to do. The greatest freedom God gave me back was once again I could throw rocks at Jesus. I could enjoy the lover of my soul. And I could walk with him all over. Since that time, I go back to the Middle East all the time. I was in Afghanistan last month. I go many times to Iraq, many times Saudi Arabia. If you look on a map, I go all around Iran. <laughs> People ask me, are you going back to Iran? <laughs> Not today. I'm busy, you know. There's no flights from Portland, so. <laughs> Will I go? I hope I can go. Why? Do something great? I don't care about that. For me, it's really simple. Whatever we do in life. Yeah. When I was 16, I discover a God who likes me. A God who enjoys me, that my creator enjoys who I am. If I could go to Iran to let them know that their creator enjoys them, ha ha, that's worth living for. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah. I hope none of you ever have to go to prison. But if God can rescue me from prison, he can rescue anybody. He can do the impossible. He can do the impossible. And God, we love you. And I just pray your blessing on my friends. That wherever they're at in life, whatever they're doing, I pray that today would be a discovery of how good you are again and again. That you would take care of them, protect them, God. I pray that they would not have to go to prison. But God, I join them and say, God, protect us from ourselves as well. Show us our need, God, of how desperate we are for you. We need you, God. We want you, God. And we thank you that you're good and you're for us. We thank you that you love us. Open our eyes to see you, Jesus, again and again. Amen. 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 Thank you so much.